Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Thursday. Yeah, right? Yes, yeah, March Thursday. 18th. Yeah, 2021. Uh, what is significant about March 18th? Well, Square Enix has some kind of presentation thing today that's happening as we speak, Reed. There could be Uh-oh. new details about great Square Enix titles like Marvel's Avengers and Outriders, and we're missing them. <laughs> uh, the other significance is uh, cinema and the DC Universe has been saved. <laughs> By the as Snyder Zack cut. Snyder's yes, Zack Snyder's cut uncut uh, Justice League uh, has hit HBO Max, and it turns out Lee that apparently it's exactly what you and me predicted, which is just it's still just as bad, just longer. Do you want to? Okay, so I'm I'm looking for my news links as I do, and I come across a, a news thing about the Snyder cut that's out today. Obviously, all the the polygons, Kotaku's. Uh, all those websites are cashing in on the clicks, uh, just posting shit about the Snyder Cut and how fucked up it is. I, I had to double check and read this entire article because the headline is Why Zack Snyder's Justice League Plays in 4x3 Ratio with Black Boxes on the Sides. And I'm like, is this a joke? Or has the the part where Zack Snyder's cut of this movie is 4x3 instead of 16x9... Like, like four is by this th- for real? 4x3, like a 2003 TV? Yeah, like an episode of Conan O'Brien from like 2002. Oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> so apparently it was it was filmed in IMAX and meant to be seen on IMAX theater screens, so they did that weird aspect ratio, but apparently you're telling me if I watch this on a 50-inch television, it's gonna be fucking letterboxed on the, the old-fashioned way, the 4x3? <laughs> Are you fucking joking my ass? On top of everything else... That they could so like uh, they they put that line in the trailer. They got Jared Leto Joker being like, "We live in a society," and all the the fucking incels uh, <laughs> cre- cream their jo- their jeans or whatever. And then apparently that that line is not even in the four hour movie. They couldn't they couldn't fit it in. There, yeah, just there wasn't any time, Lee. For fuck's sake! Fucking uh, Peter Jackson cleaned up the extended version of Return of the King in a shorter amount of time. You cannot <laughs> tell me. That fucking Justice League has more going on than the goddamn Return of the King. <laughs> yeah, but that was also, like, supplemental material, because no one was saying that Return of the King was one of the worst movies of all time, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but Peter Jackson's like, what if I just made it better? <laughs> yeah. Peter Jackson's like, what if instead of just a blowjob, there was a hand job at the start that doesn't take away from the <laughs> what blowjob? What if you also tickled but, your balls? <laughs> yeah, like, work the shaft. Drop the nuts. Uh, okay, so... In addition to that, oh, I completely lost my train of thought now. There was something else movie-related uh, going on. I <laughs> can't remember what the fuck it was. Anyway. What's more important oh, than right. the Snyder Cut, Lee? Yeah, what's more... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that our podcast has officially moved to Thursdays. Uh, and that the Sultans of Slam is dead. I buried it. Like uh, Triple H in the uh, Attitude Era. Uh, it, started, it, it started getting too big, so I had to, uh, I had to make it look at the lights, brother. Uh, so, uh, Salt of the Slam will now be part of the new Tits of the Iceberg podcast, which will air on Tuesdays, and uh, will feature uh, thoughts on anime and recommendations from Reed. Yeah. Uh, so you can check out the first episode of that. It's already available. Woo! Uh, and then uh, Public Beta Podcast will be going ahead on Thursdays, which lines up perfectly with April 1st. Now now April Fool's Day is a, uh, is a podcast day. Oh, what do you know? Yeah. What a coincidence! Yeah, I wonder if we're. I wonder if something's planned. Well, who knows? I, I honestly can't remember if we talked about doing that on air or not. So, uh, I, whatever it is, Lee, I just hope that we aren't too toxic about it. Um, you know what I mean? Like words can be poisonous. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, 
Lasher. So I'm going to just quickly refresh this page to make sure nothing cool has been announced at the Square Enix thing. For serious, the Justice League Snyder Cut is 4x3. That's fucking insane. Uh, So before we go on to what we've been playing, I had to deal with PlayStation's refund uh, process the other day. Oh. Uh, So as I previously mentioned on the show, I had uh, picked up a month of Fallout First. That's right. Look out. Uh, Private server access a cool set of uh, apparel, uh, some other stash box and, and atoms and stuff to spend in the store. And then uh, I had changed my credit card over the course of the month. And in doing so, PlayStation was like, oh, we're just going to turn auto-renew on for everything. Uh, so as my uh, my membership lapsed, it actually auto-renewed, charging me $18 Canadian. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? Uh, th- no, I don't want to pay uh, another month of Fallout First. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, and, ca- and cancel this shit. And so I go... First you talk to a web store bot. And I kid you not. It first asks you for all your, your account information you put in by, by default. And then the first thing it asks you is... Are you refunding Cyberpunk 2077? <laughs> uh, and on the splash page before that... It also asked me that. Which is just... That's fucking... It's March, dude. That game is still not for sale on the PSN. But people... They're, they're still receiving refund requests? Anyways. I digress. Uh... After, like, 25 minutes off and on while I was also trying to wash one wash my car, uh, they did refund me. Now, there was some uh, back and forth as to the guy being like, oh, did you, did you not buy this game? And I'm like, no, I own the game. This was a subscription. And he's like, what? I'm like, Fallout first for Fallout 76. And it, it became very apparent that this guy had never heard of this before. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Credit to them. He did that uh, classic read move where he was like, you know, this is against our policy, which you can see here. But we're going to refund it for you. So the <laughs> thousands of dollars I've spent on the PSN over the years are paying dividends as I was able to refund my $18 Fallout first subscription. And I no longer have access to, uh, to private servers. I will now be slumming it with the plebeians. Uh, in the public servers. So, fuck. Uh, Reed, I hit Endgame in Fallout 76. Do you have any questions about that game? Like, literally none. I cannot give less than a fuck about Fallout 76. You have negative, you have negative inquiries about set Fallout 76. Yeah, like, I, I couldn't give less than a shit about Fallout 4, and then 76 was just the tip of the iceberg for me, so, uh, yeah, here I am. Nice. I see what you did there. Uh... So this transitions nicely into Bethesda, of course. The deal uh, was was finalized. Microsoft now owns Bethesda, so they reiterated that a lot of Bethesda's games were already available Rogue on Game Warrior Pass. Warrior 2. Yeah, here we go, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, what, a, what a game. Um, <laughs> but they, they've put a bunch of their, their stuff on there. Uh, you can go play Oblivion for free, which I am. Uh, you can, uh, that new Prey game is on there, which I, I might check out for free. Uh, no Fallout 3. Uh, I don't know why no, that's you, the case. You gotta pay for Fallout 3. Yeah, that's the good shit. But not uh, We're still Oblivion. playing uh, royalties to, to Liam Neeson or whatever was going on there. Um, they've announced that there's going to be an FPS boost uh, to a lot of these games. And let me tell you, the a frame rate increase on a lot of these old games is, is crazy. <clears throat> playing Oblivion with the uh, with how buttery smooth it runs now, it, it seems like broken. It seems like you're, you're able to swing your sword twice as fast and do twice as much damage uh, in, a, in an amount of time. Because all the, all the spells and all the effects are still counting down by the second. They're, they're based on real time. Yeah. But everything that's frame-based, like you're, you being able to contact an enemy. Yeah, so you pull out a dagger and you're able to like... Just like stab a guy, stabbing a rat 8,000 times uh, to death. So I've been playing Oblivion and I talked a bit about that. 
uh, on the Tits of the Iceberg podcast as to not bore you with it. But man, when's the last time you played Oblivion? Oh, somewhat recently. Like, I still go back to all those old Bethesda titles. I play Fallout 3, New Vegas, Oblivion, Skyrim, Morrowind, pretty much on the regular. Um, Morrowind's on uh, Game Pass as well. So you can play Morrowind, but Fallout 3... But is it the no. shitty Xbox version of Morrowind? It's Yeah, it's the Xbox port, obviously. Oh, yeah, so just do yeah. yourself a favor and go play the PC one. Um, God. How can you kill a god? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, fucking, but that, man... Dude, that's crazy, because I was playing Morrowind, and I just decided to go through this random-ass dungeon at some point, and I made it to the final boss, which was Dagother, and he's just like, how can you kill a god? I'm like, oh, shit. And then he's basically just like, oh, by the way, like, you're you're not ready to be here. You got to go back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you realize pretty quickly uh, how memed to death Oblivion, like, every aspect of Oblivion is. Even the music, <laughs> like, when you hear the Oblivion original soundtrack, you're like, this is, like, the, the backing to a webm or gif right. I've just like, seen. like, whenever I hear the combat uh, music, I can only ever think of yeah, people dun, dun, impersonating dun, 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 guard, like, guards going like, ah, ah. Why with your blood. won't you die? That shit's all good, man. And Oblivion's, uh, it's a warm blanket. It's uh, its so shallow, especially because if you're playing it on Game Pass, no mod support. All the DLC is lost. They wouldn't give you the DLC. If you want that horse armor, motherfucker, if it's 2008 or 2021, you're paying, you're paying for that $4 or whatever it is for that fucking horse armor. Uh it's good stuff. What do you do when you play Oblivion? Do you have a... Me? I'm not... Depends. Okay, yeah. here's the thing about Oblivion. I feel like I'm a really good player in all of these games except Oblivion. Because Oblivion, I don't know if I've ever gotten a character past level 3, but I do... I've beaten Weird. the Thieves' Quest, the Fighters' Guild, and uh, the Dark Brotherhood. I've been the main story. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong in these games, but I can't fucking level up my goddamn characters. <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to blow your mind? Yeah. You have to sleep. Well, no, I know how to level up, Lee. It's just I never have that fucking option available. Or maybe okay, so- maybe I'm a dummy and I think it'll level, like if I leveled up like three times, like and I go to sleep, I could choose three times in a row. Maybe you have to sleep three times in a row. I don't know. Yes, if you've earned three three level ups, they should just stack when you sleep. So you raise your abilities by doing the thing. Well, no shit. So yeah, raise- I, I I understand yeah. how it works. I'm just saying. Yeah. Apparently, I'm really and then bad once at it- the game. Once it hits a certain threshold of skill increases, you get a quote-unquote level up. And then when you go to sleep, it gives you bonuses on certain stats to increase. You get to choose three every time you level up. Or you can just, like, dead-ass like, min-max strength or something like that early in the game. So you can carry everything and get unlimited gold. And then just buy a bunch of gear that makes up for your shortcomings. It's, again, it's a Bethesda... It's an Elder Scrolls game. So the idea is you find a way to break it. For example... Uh, you can make spells in in Oblivion, even in the, the vanilla version of Obl- Oblivion after you do the Mage's Guild. Oh, so you can yeah. get, like, a frenzy spell that has an area of effect. Like, it, it's a weak-ass frenzy, but the area of effect basically is the entire fucking dungeon room. Or you, uh, it's also fun- you, you, yeah. spam, uh, you spam agility potions till your agility is at absolute max with your... And then spam intelligence potions till your intelligence is at absolute max and then make potions of, um, make potions of jumping. Or spells of jumping, and you can jump across the entire world map. Uh, that was also the way you could enchant things, like, indefinitely in Skyrim, is you would, like, indefinitely increase your enchanting skill by using that potion glitch, and then you could, like, I'm gonna put 1,000 strength on this fucking ring, or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, fun game. <laughs> Oblivion, you guys heard of it? Check it out. Uh, man, like, when we talk about quietly a game that has so much to live up to, 
in uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, yeah. Just that that game will be criticized if it doesn't do something new, but if it does anything new, it'll be criticized for not being the cozy game that the the, the yeah, previous that, Elder that Scrolls that Skyrim game was and everything. Yeah. That it's rough. Yeah, I, I, but there isn't really a high bar to set because, like, name one really well-written quest line in Skyrim, Lee. Yep, but there's also, like, the whole cyberpunk thing. It's just, like, when Bethesda releases their next open-world game, like, when Fallout 4 came out, it was a hot mess as well. When Fallout 76 came out, it had issues and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Are we just going to accept those because it's from Bethesda? And it's, like, their M.O.? I think it's going to be a bit easier on Elder Scrolls because Elder Scrolls never had the level of writing that we expected out of something like a New Vegas or yeah. Witcher 3 for that matter. So I think it's a bit different, but I understand where you're coming from. Uh, otherwise, I played the best contemporary Tetris being Tetris Effect, now known as Tetris Effect Connected. It is on Game Pass in uh, in 4K HDR. Man, that is, that is the Tetris game on top of... Uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2, which, just like Metal Gear Solid 5 that we'll eventually get to talk about, I don't know when to quit it. Uh, it, it I'm at the point of Yakuza Kiwami 2 where it's just like, hey, tie up any loose ends, which to me says, okay, do everything in the game, and it, it'll be dozens of hours. Like, it, there's bounty missions, there, the, sorry, uh, b- bouncer missions, there's the whole Majima uh, side thing I still have to do, and uh, I'm chipping away at it, but goddamn, uh, that game will not not let me free read other than destiny 2 what have you been doing with your time <laughs> take the legs out right from under you <laughs> yeah it's like oh shit he took away destiny 2 for me uh, um oh my god i have really only been playing destiny i think 2. i really act like since last week i think that's the only game i actually have been playing i i've been thinking of playing other video games destiny just grabs you <laughs> by the nuts and it won't let you go especially when you have a you have a nice uh, weekly reset like we did two days ago yeah um yeah honestly don't have a lot to report i've been thinking about playing final fantasy 7 remake again actually been very interested in that game uh, why wouldn't you wait for the ps5 that's version? what i was going to say lee uh yeah, you'll just play destiny until then yeah until June so i'm pretty much just gonna yeah. wait for the ps5 version to come out i've been thinking about going back and playing final fantasy tactics because i usually do that every year and that's you know what that's that's all i got that's all i got Wow. Uh, the thing about Destiny is Destiny is a game that weekly will be like, for every hour you have for video games this week, you can spend it on Destiny. And the minute you start to spend that time on Destiny, and because it has weekly goals, right? Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm halfway, I'm like, I, I finished this one for the strikes, but my clan one isn't done, and my this one isn't done, etc. And before you know it, that's the only game you're, you're wanting to fire up. They're geniuses over at Bungie for that. <laughs> It's and, fun. Uh, it's a fun damn game. Them. Fuck. <laughs> well, the game's so fun. It's just like, okay, well, I can go spend time with another game and be less fulfilled in terms of uh, the amount of fun I'm having with the amount of game I'm playing. And Destiny knows that. Yeah, like, I, it's like I, you know, you I know, feel, the shooting is good. Yeah, I feel really dirty when, like, you know, I'm seeing people talking about how they're playing like Final Fantasy for the first time. Or they're playing Yakuza like a dragon. They're expanding their hori- horizons. <laughs> Yeah, and they got, like, all these awesome games that they're playing, and I'm just like, like, fuck. Like, I should be devoting my time to, like, a game I haven't played before or something I haven't played in a long time. But here I am playing this fucking strike for the tenth time this week to get a fucking roll of a weapon I like, and I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't feel bad about it. You just feel bad for all the other games that are are gathering dust. Yeah. I, I get you. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. 
so anyway, Square Enix, I've refreshed this thing a few times. I'm going to hit the main page here just to see that they haven't announced anything anything cool. Watch their digital showcase. Apparently there's like a, tr- a, a Tomb Raider trilogy coming out. Uh, those are all right games. Sure, that yeah. They basically made the same game three times. But uh, Yeah, I didn't play Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I just played the 2016 one, which was fine. It was fine. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Sony reveals next-gen PlayStation VR controller for PS5. It's got a, like, kind of a b- b- ball-like shape, uh, kind of a- a- akin to what you'd get with the Index and some of the better VR uh, stuff out on PC now. Obviously, the difference here will be I can't see PlayStation VR for the PS5 costing more than $1,000, whereas the high-end ones for PC, the really, really cool ones, are uh, definitely, when you consider the computer expenditure and stuff like that, that's upwards of twenty-five to $3,000. Uh, so it would be really cool uh, to see Sony kind of being able to do some of that same stuff with the uh, the touch and the grip uh, and the the range of movement, maybe room room scale VR. They haven't really revealed much. They just showed the controllers. And they're like, hey, look at this. These look like modern VR controllers, not repurposing the goddamn PlayStation 3 Move controllers uh, for for this. So... Coming out of coming out of the Wii, and of course the Switch has some of that DNA in there. Admittedly, uh, it's it's neat to see PlayStation kind of where they have evolved from the Move and making this kind of technology more uh, user friendly, more more consumer. Uh, I don't know, front facing like that. A mom could go in and buy this for their kid. A mom's not going to be able to buy a PC based VR set without. Uh, a lot of input from the kid or, or some kind of other expert. So uh, I'm looking forward to this quite a bit. Uh, I, have you spent a lot of time in VR yourself? I haven't even played a VR game. I have no interest whatsoever because 95% of VR games are just dumb gimmick flash games to me. Like, I don't give a fuck. Wow. I, 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 like, uh, I like meat and bones to my games. It's just not my not my cup of tea. I think... Uh... I think we're going to have to have some kind of a play date where you play VR stuff at some point. Because uh, over the years, man, we have accumulated quite a few great VR experiences. Like something like Super Hot, uh, for example, in VR is just fantastic. Uh, it, you, I can't describe it to you. It's not even something you can watch a video of. I can't describe to you a game where when you move, the enemies move. So as long as you look around your surroundings... And plan things out. You're able to uh, do these Neo Matrix esque. Wait, is that the game where uh, you can like shoot people and throw bottles and like? Yeah, fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I've seen <laughs> clips of that. It looks pretty neat. Uh, yeah, super cool. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, Jeff Minter is out there making stuff like Polybius, uh, where where he's just like, hey, uh, you know, take your drugs and then put your VR headset on, and we're gonna have a good time. Uh, those kind of games. <laughs> Uh, don't get a lot of press because they are they are what they are. But uh, there's there's a lot of cool cool stuff on VR, man. And I uh, I get sick from VR. Uh, so I have Skyrim VR, which is something you should should try anyways. Because uh, placing your open palms on the nuts of a bandit and then uh, pulling the triggers to send bolts of electricity into his genitals <laughs> uh, is something that everyone should experience in their lifetime. I truly believe that. Uh, especially when you combine it with like a little bit of like a Palpatine laugh or something like that, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, pay the pay the toll on the road, and you're just like, <laughs> and you just give them two blasts right to the nuts. Uh, but I get super sick from anything with with movement where you're moving with a stick. Yeah, or anything, that's so. that's like uh, grandmother at work. You can't play any of the new Dooms because it's just too fast. <laughs> <laughs> These Dooms are too. Uh, I get sick from Doom 2016 easily. Frame rates. Uh, 
Framemates, do it to me, man. Uh, I just learned that Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has been delayed until September. No! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anguish in the Uh, office now. (laughs) It's uh, it's really set the tone for the rest of the day. They're talking about Life is Strange. Okay, we're going to abandon the news pretty quickly here. (laughs) Tiger Woods, as I mentioned on the Tits of the Iceberg podcast, has re-signed with 2K and will once again grace the cover of uh of 2k pga tour and i said this on my other podcast when he got in that car accident and people were weren't like good that adulterous bastard can rot in hell and instead they were like oh tiger woods i hope you're okay i think that was a green light uh for them to be like oh we can sign tiger woods again people like him again uh and that's what's happened here eight year eight year layoff he is tiger woods and the 2k games have not been uh not been together in eight years damn God damn. Sony is giving away Horizon Zero Dawn, as well as nine other PlayStation games. Right now, you can get Ratchet and Clank 2016 for free as part of their play-at-home deal. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn will be added to that in April. And there's also going to be nine games, including Abzu Enter the Dungeon, Res Infinite, Subnautica, and The Witness uh, for, for standard consoles. And then Astrobot Rescue Mission, Moss, Thumper, and Paper Beast for PlayStation VR. I own a number of these games. The games that I do not own are definitely games... Uh, that I would wait to go on deep sale to buy, but now I'm just going to be giving them for free. Yeah. So uh, that's nice of Sony. Uh, not going to look this gift horse in the mouth. Of course, uh, you have your drones and trolls online talking about uh, how these games are a million years old and uh, and looking that gift horse right in the mouth. Uh, shut up. A lot of these games are great. I highly recommend everything I see here, uh, except for Paper Beast, which I've never played. Anyway, free stuff, Read, Get it. Outriders also made by Square Enix, is coming to Xbox Game Pass if you have an Xbox pre-order on Outriders. First of all, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> and now go cancel that pre-order because it's free on Game Pass. Uh, this game is allegedly not a service game as we know it. There, There is no roadmap. There is no uh, like plan Ten for, year for cycle other content. and season passes and shit. Or, yeah, or even, or even what they had with Avengers where it's just like, yeah, we're going to drip c- character content and, and cosmetics. None of that exists for Outriders. Outriders is just like Borderlands, I guess you would say, yep. a open and shut uh, co-op shooter experience. Uh, obviously, they could, they could change the infrastructure of the game if the game took off. It's so funny that that is the main thing people are talking about this game is a demo came out for this game and it was very mediocre at best. And now people are like, well, what if this game takes off and it needs to become a service game? What if people want to play this game like Destiny? It, like, let the game come out and, and receive yeah. all its 6 out of 10s and then we'll worry about no, that. No, it's, in my opinion, it's absolutely the right decision by Square. Like, look what the fuck happened to Godfall, Anthem, all these games trying to be the next Destiny. Uh, and all of them have failed. Destiny is the only one that stuck around. And it even had, like, a really launchy, uh, really buggy, shitty launch. But it's been the only game in town, so it's stuck around. And now it's just, like, it's the game if you're going to go for that looter-shooter co-op experience, whatever you want to call it. Certainly. To a degree, Before, uh, other, to a degree yeah. I would say... Other than stepping up to a full-ass MMO, Yeah, right? to a degree, I would even say it's overshadowed something like Borderlands. Like, I know for me, I kind Certainly. Of, there's definitely aspects that I consider the same, and I definitely prefer Destiny in that regard. Uh, the thing with Destiny is, uh, is that shooting is really good. I can't stress it enough. Yeah. Uh, so when you pick up something like Borderlands, something that you're intending to spend the same amount of time with, and you're just like, no, you not know? the same amount of time with. Like <laughs> Borderlands, despite there being co-op options and everything, it's very much like if you took away all the co-op, it'd just be a single-player game with lots of loot. Is all it is. 
there's definitely a beginning, middle, and an end with Borderlands. As opposed to Destiny, where there's just constantly ongoing content. Because it's an MMO. Right on. Yeah. Alright, dude. Uh, that is all I had for news. That's all I had for the intro. It's time. <coughs> it's time. Uh, to talk about Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah. So, Again. We, we could <laughs> spend today talking about, you know, the gameplay, uh, the random crotch grabs by Vulgan, uh, the dumb fucking <laughs> riding mask that they put into this game. Um, but I think it'd be a lot more interesting to talk about the characters, because that's what really makes this game. At its core, Metal Gear Solid 3 is a very simple video game story-wise. And I think that's why it's the most highly regarded out of the series, because it's, it doesn't really have a lot, if any, of baggage from the previous games. So it's able to focus most of its narrative on the two main characters, which is Naked Snake and the boss. Um, right. And in that, re- in that regard, I completely agree with most people's sentiments about that. I think the boss and Naked Snake and the relationship specifically is the most interesting part about Metal Gear Solid 3. And probably about the entire Metal Gear Solid series in general, specifically because what the boss envisions is what creates the rest of the series. Or at least it did at this point for Kojima. Because it's like Metal Gear Solid 4 came around he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta connect all of these dots. Um, and Metal Gear Solid 5, he was still doing that. Yeah. So in the lore of Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, the boss is the mentor of Naked Snake, a.k.a. Jack. She's also the leader of the famous World War II Cobra unit, who all have dumb gimmicks like controlling bees or climbing trees. Right, so, quick caveat to that, it's it's literally pheromones. He literally secretes pheromones <laughs> from his skin that allows him to control hornets, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, take that. For what it's worth, uh, Nick backed me up on uh, the Fury being a cool, uh, a cool yet stupid boss fight. Yeah, I, uh, I just I, what I was trying to say is like you compare it to something like the end, and it's just like who gives a shit. Yeah, uh, you know what's funny about that? I was thinking this morning is like everybody's like, oh, you, you set the uh, you set the calendar forward, and that that kills this man. And you think about uh, in regards to daylight savings time, which just came into effect this past Sunday as we're recording this, and how devastating that one hour of time is. To able-bodied thirty-year-olds, <laughs> and you think about just like what if what if I made you sit in one place for a week and then you had to perceive time and you just died of old age or something like that? And I just I don't know. My brain connected to two things and made me laugh. Anyway, Reed, you were saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, like I said, I think the most interesting part about the game is uh, the boss and Jack's relationship. So, yes. uh, the main theme I would probably give Metal Gear Solid Three is loyalty. Um, you can see this like man throughout the entire game the boss's like unquestioning undying loyalty to the united states and its government especially Mm -hmm. how she treats her mission her entire mission is first of all to retrieve the philosopher's legacy which you could argue is not a very patriotic thing they're essentially sending her on a spy mission to get back a lot of money from world war ii uh once volgan launches the nukes that was not intended, right. and now the states are blamed for it. Basically, the states told her that she has to die. And the only person she could think of that could kill her is the one that's most loyal to her, which is Jack. Um, and to improve Jack's abilities throughout this game, she also uses her Cobra unit, who also shows undying loyalty to her. She like We don't know in canon whether or not she told the Cobra unit like the true intentions of her mission, which was, I need to I, die by Jack's hands. 
they're I I don't th- yeah I think she's kayfabing it the whole time because yeah, like the whole thing is is like there's there's an out for her but when Volgan launches that nuke it becomes very apparent that oh the the only way to sew this up and uh, so the United States doesn't take blame yeah. is the needs of the the needs of the many versus the needs of the few I have to die to protect my yeah. country so in right? my head yeah. canon she simply just asked the Cobra unit like I'm defecting to Volgan's crew will you come with me? And all of them without question said they would because she's the boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, she earned their respect. Uh, we see the same loyalty for the boss in Jack and how he has to, like he hesitates throughout the entire game until you get to the end of the game when you finally beat her in a right. boss fight. And you're, you're, your hand is forced there because she's going to blow up the whole island unless you do. The, she, so the difference to me is that the whole time Jack, Naked Snake... Uh, thinks she is a traitor. Yeah, he, he thinks she is a traitor to the U.S. government. And while he's trepidatious about having to go after his his previous mentor, that that through line until the end, when obviously he breaks, learning that uh, no, 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 uh, it's it's all a play, right? It's all had had the boss asked Naked Snake to come with her and be part of the Cobra unit. He would have with all this defection thing. Then Snake would simply be one of the bosses for the whoever is showing up to take them out. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful fucking story, and that's why it makes the ending so powerful. She has to almost force Jack's hand to do what is necessary in this case, because despite what Naked Snake is believed and told throughout the entire game, you can tell that he, at every cutscene that he's in in regards to the boss, he's always in the back of his head questioning if she really defected, if she really did right. turn heel. And he doesn't really believe it right until the end when she has to say outright, one of us will die and one of us will live. The person who Mm -hmm. dies will die. The person who lives will inherit the title of the boss and go through a lifetime of endless violence. She knew what was going to happen to Naked Snake after he killed her. Uh, But that's exactly why, in my opinion, uh, she chose Jack to do the mission. Because there's no one else that, that could because she personally trained him in such a way she taught him that cqc she taught him that cqc um yeah there's there's a lot of imagery there's a lot of themes of uh innocence in terms of uh how jack uh naked snake aka naked snake aka big boss for people who don't know a lot about metal gear we should make that distinction yeah we're talking about three people who are the same person uh (laughs) the uh there's a lot of uh imagery and there's a lot of things to do with jack's innocence and his naivety right he literally uh, that, has to that go, goes away yeah, over the course of the game he literally has to kill his first of all his pain which you could argue is the easiest thing to kill then he has to kill his fear which is his fear of not completing the mission of dying then he has to you could argue the end and fury are a little bit questionable he has to kill his sorrow, or I, rather than kill it, you should. it's better to say he has to overcome his sorrow before finally, you know, you could argue killing the last thing he had, like he had left, which was his Joy, who was the boss, her nickname being the Joy. So there's nothing left after this mission. All of his emotions were essentially taken from him. Or wow. it's better to say he erased <laughs> his emotions to get to the end of his goal. Um... Yeah, uh, and then the boss, of course, it echoes throughout the entire rest of the series. It's at this point, I don't think Kojima was expecting just how uh, impactful the boss was. Because at, at the time, Lee, uh, especially games coming out of Japan, female characters were all, like, you know, scantily clad, very, um, 
was suggestive, very well endowed. Say, like, and then you the, ha- the age of the of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, uh, the old Tomb Raider. Right. And <laughs> then all of a sudden, here comes the boss, who's like this very like this older, very mature, very cap- capable woman who doesn't have anything sexual going on, who doesn't like have like this weird gimmick. Uh, so I don't think Kojima was expecting how popular that character would have become. And right. when he saw the... Re- a credible badass. Yes. Yeah, when he <laughs> saw the reception to the ending, because it is such a powerful ending, when Eva's explaining the boss's true mission, and that she, yeah. out of all the people, was the only true patriot here. She never questioned her orders, and she went through with it till the end. But she told Snake, like, I'm doing this not be- like partly because I am loyal to my country and because that's what I am, but mostly because I want to see the world made whole again. I like if if I can help it, right. I ra- I would hope that the money I give back to the states will mend the relationship with Russia and China. We can get the world back to peace. And mm-hmm. it's it's in this vision that the entire rest of the series is is cruxed upon. Um, Zero ocelot and big boss all have different versions and and. Uh, their own narratives of her dream of a united world in their head, which is, it's a positive and negative in my opinion. I think uh, it's a bit of a stretch for like Zero's or Ocelot's vision to have come from this. She's, she, make, yeah, she makes it pretty clear and cut. I just want like everybody to leave the fuck each other alone and we live in world peace. And for Ocelot to twist that into, I need to take down like the vital electronics of the world is it's a bit of a stretch. I can see how they it's get a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I can see how they get yeah. there. Um, but I'd like to think, think about it like this Lee um, hmm. in a world where Metal Gear Solid four and every game after that did not come out. Uh, we would have a very, very tight, concise trilogy here. It would be the boss died and inspired naked snake who was, uh, disillusioned by his government to make a military Nathan- nation just of soldiers like him and the boss because he did not want to see anybody manipulated by the government anymore. It gets taken down by Solid Snake. Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 happens. Boom. That's your trilogy. It, like It's yeah. it's so much simpler, tighter, concise. Um, and it's such an easier narrative to understand. In, in my opinion, it's a much better narrative I think once you get to Metal Gear Solid 4 and you have to involve all these like little things that happened 100 years ago, it's not it's not cool anymore. Uh, what what happens immediately after 3 timeline wise? It's Peace Walker? Well, there's a bunch of shit that happens between Peace Walker <laughs> and Metal Gear Solid 3 and that's not the stuff I like. Okay. I, I like I like the world in which Metal Gear Solid 4 didn't happen and the the Metal Gear Solid timeline is Boss dies for a country, disillusions Big Boss. He makes a military nation, but is killed by Solid Snake. Solid Snake plays one and two. That's the story. Um, I think that's right. yeah. I think that's just better. Um, but then, of course, they they had to connect everything. Zero going crazy, also having his own version of the boss's vision, in which the government controls everybody to such a degree that war cannot happen, and then that spirals mm-hmm. out of control. Um, it, it's just weird to me because Zero, when you're playing Metal Gear Solid 3, it's just like a nice chap. He's constantly talking about like 
how much he loves James Bond, and he doesn't really have that much of a relationship at all with the boss. He he talks about her as in like like they met before, but he doesn't have such a close relationship with the boss that Naked Snake does. So for Kojima to turn around and be like, oh well, the, you know Zero took his vision his version of the boss's last will, and you're like, how the fuck does he even know about the boss's last will? <laughs> Like the game has to happen. Yeah. God damn it. First of all, I don't think he'd be such close uh, acquaintances with the boss that he felt he needed to take her dream. And second of all, I don't believe any scenario in which Naked Snake would have told anybody about his final battle with his mentor. Um, no. Yeah. So that's yeah. when I. Th- so after Metal Gear Solid Three, I think is when we start to you know take the crazy pills. But <laughs> like I said, if we're looking, if Metal Gear Solid Three in a vacuum is one of the best fucking games ever made. Like I said, if Metal Gear Solid 4 never came out, it would have been, like, the perfect prequel because it sets up exactly what it needed to for Metal Gear 1. It's really easy to understand. Even uh, when you beat Metal Gear Solid 3, Lee, they give you, like, the scrawling timeline of events that happened right. in the world. Which has come up a few times already. Yeah. yeah, and all it says for the Patriots is Metal Gear Solid 3, like, the virtuous mission, uh, Big Boss is crowned, Big Boss creates Outer Haven... Big Boss is murdered, and then just says Patriots AI created. Like they don't. Ex- That's all you need to know. Yeah, they, they. Yeah, because we didn't need to know. Who cares where the we know that the that the and it's sorry. It also says in the same timeline around the nineteen eighties uh, that the philosophers are reformed into the Patriots, and then at some point the Patriot AIs are commissioned and take over the human members. I thought that was a lot cooler personally. I think having this shadow organization. Uh, where the boss got this microfilm of money in hopes of reuniting the philosophers, and in fact, all it actually does is reform the philosophers into the patriots. I think that's yeah. a lot more of a, not like a horror story, but uh, it's definitely uh, a bit scary in that she had like such grand ambitions and noble goals for her mission, and all it did was make things much worse. Almost caused like nuclear disaster. Yeah, exactly. Between Russia and the United States. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. I think when they explain that as like no, like then Zero like took over the philosophers and then he reformed it to the Patriots, but then he got sick and made AI. I think that takes away a lot of the uh, the the meaning of the the end of Metal Gear Solid Three. That despite our good intentions were not always going to get the outcome that we wanted or desired. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought Patri- the Patriots were cooler as a shadowy AI organization that you never knew where they came from, and we didn't need to know. It was not a question I think needed to be answered. And I think answering it with Zero and the Metal Gear Solid 3 cast is like the worst possible answer. So when the philosophers are uh, in the 80s, in, in the timeline of the credits timeline... Uh, when the philosophers are 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 coming back in the eighties, is that during uh, Metal Gear Solid Five? Is that while Venom Snake is is doing his thing in Afghanistan? Or no, if we're talking about the actual Metal Gear Solid timeline at this point, Lee, yeah, um, it's just after some point of the Metal Gear Solid Three, um, Ocelot tracks down the philosophers, the U.S. side. He kills the U.S. philosopher members. Sure. And he gives half of the microfilm money, only half of it, to Zero, Major Zero. Major Zero, at okay. this point, creates the Patriots, and he makes the Patriots with Ocelot, Eva, Big Boss, Signet, Paramedic, 
Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. At, like, he got Ocelot to kill the U.S. philosophers. So this is more like the 70s after retconning and stuff. Sure. He just got Ocelot to kill the U.S. Uh, philosophers, and then he made the Patriots from their ashes, essentially. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. Where is the game where I play as uh, Ocelot as a hitman in the 70s? That, yeah, that'd be a neat... That would have been a really, Solid Six, baby. That, that would have been a really neat, uh, like a Vita game or something. Um, no, it's all done in like uh, it's a it's touched upon a bit more in Portable Ops. Actually, you see a little bit of Ocelot talking about it, uh, but that's about it. Interesting. Yeah, they don't make a big deal in the games. They don't make a big deal at all about the formation of the Patriots. All they basically say is, "Oh, the philosophers died. Zero made the Patriots after he used half the money of the philosophers' legacy." Ocelot gave the other sure. half to uh, the KGB. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that that the, the Patriots stuff, I think, takes away from the emotional plot points of all Metal Gear Solid games. But if we're going to c- compare it to uh, another um, auteur, uh, Nomura, and Kingdom Hearts, and how that game is another game that has... Uh, and this will be the only time I compare Kingdom Hearts to Metal Gear Solid. Uh, that, that is also a game that has this insane lore under the surface that it, it has to keep revisiting for the, the diehards. And my question to you, Reed, yeah. I consider myself a casual fan of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed all the ones I've played. I love the shit out of 3 and 5 specifically. Yeah. Uh, what is your feelings on this Patriot stuff? As you said, if there was a world where Metal Gear Solid 4 never existed, you'd probably be pretty damn okay with it. No, I... I uh, do you yeah. feel the... I, I have expressed this before. I think I think after they should have stopped Solid Snake story, Big Boss, everything related to those characters after Metal Gear Solid Three. I think that would be a perfect concise ending. Um, right. I, I I shouldn't say tolerate. I enjoy Metal Gear Solid Four for a lot of reasons. It's very fan servicey, which I love. Um, but there's no denying that it just it may it just does a lot of dumb fucking things to the lore in my opinion, and I. And then I think Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five are not only... Metal Gear Solid Five is the best playing game, clearly, but I'm talking narrative here uh, entirely. Metal Gear Solid uh, Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five are not only unnecessary, they do more harm than good, in my opinion. Um, I think less is more a lot for these kinds of games. I think, you know, having all that character development just for Solid Snake is really good. And then having that one story for Big Boss so we can learn his past in Metal Gear Solid 3 is great. And then right. keep the Patriots uh, mysterious. And most of all, keep uh, keep Big Boss's rise to infamy and him being evil a secret. Because they do such a poor job of it in Metal Gear Solid 5. Um, right. And I, it's so much easier, one, to believe that that he got evil over time and you just assume like man like just you over time things escalate eventually you have a nation you have a nuke and like things just happen when you actually try to explain that in game it's it's not smooth so peace walker it, well it's it's easy when it's an nes game and you're like this is an evil guy and this is what evil guy does right uh, but when you give him the context of Gear solid 3 which essentially baby faces big boss right 
uh, and how you view him and what he's what he's initially trying to accomplish and where he gets and how right uh, it, it starts with the greatest of intentions of following the the teachings of his mentor and ends with him threatening to explode the planet right, right exactly uh, like, like let me put it this way <laughs> so, I'm like Lee yeah. here's Big Boss and Metal Gear One he has a military nation. He made it because he wants a place for abandoned soldiers to go, and he has nukes to defend his nation. You'd be like, okay, here's him in Metal Gear Solid 3, play Metal Gear Solid 3. You do, you get to the end. And if I was like, Lee, could you see, like, in your head, could you imagine how big Naked Snake slash Big Boss Metal Gear Solid 3 gets to Metal Gear 1? You'd be like, yeah, like, easily. Yeah. Why, did that need, sure. why did that need to be explained more? Uh, you know. It needs to be. Yeah, like it, it overstayed its welcome, man. There are yeah. tw- twice as many games in this series as there needs to be in terms of, in terms of what I like of the narrative. Uh, like Metal Gear Solid Four for me is is a fantastic thrill ride. Uh, but when you think of it in the context of the rest of the story, man, I I roll my eyes in the back of my head. Yeah, to be I think honest with you. I think there is a version of Metal Gear Solid Four that exists out there that does conclude the Solid Snake series in a very satisfying way. I think its biggest grievance is including the Metal Gear Solid 3 lore. Um, and yeah, like I said, Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid 5, I think they just exist to further explain something that didn't really need to be explained anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they're they're definitely fun. I just think they're totally unnecessary. So in my perfect world, Metal Gear Solid 1 to 3 are the only games like with those characters. Uh, I wouldn't mind a Metal Gear Solid 4 if it was altered a bit. And then I, 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 I can't agree with including Peace Walker, Metal Gear Solid 5, personally. I think they're, they're just fluff for a character that was already fully fleshed out, in my opinion. Yeah, and also, uh, fuck Kojima forever for swapping out voice actors in 5. All right. Yeah, okay. Uh, at I, wait, one, one last point. It'd be like, sure. it'd be like in, you know, Breaking Bad was a perfect five seasons, and we got all we needed out of Walt's character? Sure. Imagine if they did nine seasons instead. Be like, be like, yeah, you ha- if you're going to keep telling the story, you're going to keep adding layers to this fucking cake until it's ruined. Yeah, That's, yeah, exactly. That's Star Wars in a nutshell, Reed. <laughs> Wait, no, we're talking about Metal Gear. Uh, <laughs> uh, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. LeahTestTheIceberg.com is my email address if you want to send us questions, topics, anything you want to uh, hear on the show. If we find it interesting enough, we might include it. The schedule is now Tuesday, new Tits the Iceberg pop culture podcast including pro wrestling and thursday's public beta podcast so join us again in a week for myself lee and for reed thanks for signing up that's been the public beta podcast